It's, it's awesome to have, have Nick lead worship. Uh, he has cool enough hair for the both of us. Uh, you know, part of the advantage is that he has hair, but um, he, he's able, able to, to pull that off. Thank you to, to Nick and our worship team. Uh, you guys always bless us. Uh, four out of the next five weeks, uh, Philip is going to be gone. He and Gabrielle are in uh, New York traveling, doing some, uh, some work. Gabrielle is filming something, and then... Um, a couple weeks after that, they're going to be going to a family wedding. So they're going to be gone for a little bit. So we're going to get to see some of the other um, parts of our worship team uh, spread their wings and show off some of their skills like Nick today. So thank you, Nick, for, for leading us uh, this morning. So we sang a song earlier in our service today uh, that maybe you were familiar with. Maybe you weren't. Um, the, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Uh, it's a song that we've sung here for, for quite a while. Um, but you might not know that that, that song basically comes directly from Scripture. Um, it's, it's a quote from Scripture. But does anybody know what book of the Bible that's from? Lamentations. There we go. It's a series on Lamentations, so that's a good answer. Um, but... Uh, yeah, it very much sounds like one of the Psalms, you know, the, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, his, his uh, mercies never come to an end, great is thy faithfulness. And as we think about it, I think it helps us to think about the book of Lamentations a little bit. It's a very odd book towards the back of the Old Testament that it's likely you've never heard a sermon series on uh, because there's not really resolution in Lamentations. It's just basically a group of people lamenting to God. Like, this is what we're struggling with. How is this going to happen? And in some ways, you can think of it like a, it's kind of an artistic, like a play. Uh, and then there's, there's three characters. We're going to talk about all three of those characters today for a little bit. But in, in Lamentations, it's just fascinating because it's what life is sometimes. When you're going to go through seasons where you're just saying, God, what, what is up with this? Why is this happening? Why, why is, is this experience going on? You know, I, I was trying to serve you and trying to, to follow you. And like, what is going on with us? What has happened? And the people who are struggling with this problem, at some moments they say, you know, I recognize that I played a part in this and like the sinfulness that I was like, I, I recognize that. But God, where are you at? Are you still a loving God? Do you care for us at all? And maybe it's somebody else's fault. They're struggling with things that we all will experience at times when we wonder, God, why does this happen? And so Lamentations chapter one opens up like this. We looked at this a couple weeks ago, but chapter one, verses one and two, um, how deserted lies the city once so full of people How like a widow is she who once was great among the nations, she who was queen among the provinces has now become a slave. Bitterly she weeps at night, tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers there is no one to comfort her. All her friends have betrayed her. They have become her enemies. So this is the first character of the book of Lamentations. It's the narrator who looks out over this place that has been destroyed. They now are in exile. And basically it's just beginning this report. This place used to have celebrations and festivals. Scott mentioned that there's 34 Jewish holidays. There used to be all this partying that would happen here. People would come up here and they would do the sacrifices. And now there's nothing. This used to be a place like bustling with people. There was a lot of stuff that was going on here. And now there's nothing. What are we supposed to do? And in this, like I said, it can be considered like a play. There's five chapters in Lamentations. Um, These different characters come up, and the second character um, is basically like the personification of the city, and she's portrayed as a woman. And so this passage says, all her friends have betrayed her. She has no more lovers. It's using like this poetic language, the kind of language that we use to describe pain. Like if somebody hurts you, you would say something like, you know, he stabbed me in the back. Did he literally stab you in the back? Hopefully not, but that's the kind of thing that you say. Or if you find out that 
there's some sort of pain and you're, you're feeling, and you, your breath gets taken away, you might say something like, my heart is in my chest. You know, and you would say something, that, or my heart is in my throat. Like you would say like a different way to describe things. And so from the very beginning, we see this pain that has happened and the city is now in exile and this narrator looks at the scene and says, this is not very good. And we talked last time that we did this series a couple weeks ago um, in uh, verse 12 of uh, chapter 1. Uh, the city personified basically says, does anybody recognize my pain? There's no pain like my pain. Does anybody see that I'm hurting here? And so the first week we learned that as we think about how to grieve, that sometimes we just need to, to like raise our hand and say, hey, everybody, I'm in pain. And to be able to name that pain and speak that pain. And for some of us, that would be a great blessing. Perhaps there's something in your family that you need to address. That there's someone that is experiencing something or there's something that has happened to you like within your family system that you just need to say, hey, like, this is something that we all need to talk about. And would it be better if you would like, raise your hand, even though it might be a painful conversation, than to just let it keep going? Wouldn't it be better if you raised your hand and said, hey, let, let's, let's talk about this. Let's have like a constructive conversation when we're all cool about it so it doesn't happen on Mother's Day lunch. You know, we don't want to do it then. Like, let's talk about it like, so we can get it out in the open so we can have a conversation. Naming pain is really important to help us as we think about how to grieve. And I think if you were to raise your hand, just as we see here in the personification of the city in Lamentations chapter one, where someone just says, does anybody recognize me? Does anybody experience it? There's such a powerful thing that happens that other people say, hey, you know, I may not have experienced that exact pain, but I can come alongside you. Or there might be someone who has experienced that exact pain. And they can say, all right, let me help you along this journey. So we talked about how important naming pain is. But as this lament uh, continues in Lamentations, we see in uh, Lamentations chapter 2, verses 11, when the, the narrator says this, my eyes fail from weeping, I'm in torment within, my heart is poured out on the ground because my people are destroyed, because children's and infants faint in the streets of the city. So the one who has been this like objective reporter, just looking out at things and saying like, this has happened and that has happened. After looking at this for a while, it's just too painful. The narrator just basically breaks down and says, my eyes fail me from weeping. I can't just like stand and report this from a distance anymore. Like this is too sad. Infants faint in the streets of the city. It's, it's horrible. What I'm seeing is just terrible. I can't just be objective about this anymore. Ever watch the evening news and just been shocked by how these like reporter on the street people, they like walk up with a mic and say like, hey, everything was just burned down to your home. Like, how are you feeling right now? Let me just exploit your pain for ratings. You know, it's like, that, that's basically how, how it feels. And it's unbelievable because these people are at like everything that happens in the city. And it's like, how do you keep just doing that? Going from thing to thing and remain, you know, somewhat calm and objective and try to get that quote from that person who has just dealt with this extreme and unbelievable difficult thing that has just happened. And that's eventually what the narrator can't stop from. The narrator enters in and says, you know, my, my eyes are just weeping now because as I've been able to watch this and see the pain of the city, I can't help but enter in. And so you see the narrator break under the weight of the things that they now are seeing, the destruction that is happening. And then it turns over to Lamentations chapter 3. And we meet the third character in Lamentations. 
This character says this, I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. I'm the man who's seen the affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. And this character, the, the word, the man there is the Hebrew word Gaber. Say that with me, Gaber. Um, so now you know Hebrew. Uh, and uh, that that word, it does mean man, but generally it would be understood as like a warrior or, or a strong person, like a strong individual. That's generally how it was understood. So we meet this character who is this like strong character, someone who um, you would expect to be like kind of a warrior on the front line, someone who when things are getting bad, like that's who you want out there. Uh, I have a friend who's a cop and I asked him like, what division are you with? And he said, whenever things go really bad, like we're the ones who run to it. So like, and my friend is very strong. He's the kind of person that I would want. So think about someone who you might think is like a stud, you know, someone who you would say, I trust that person. Maybe it's male. Sometimes it is female too, who just like, you know, stand up like Cameron talked about Carrie, who was willing to talk, do, do whatever, whatever it took to stand up uh, for her son. So just think about it. Who, who comes to mind? Maybe this person comes to mind for you. Yeah, there's a stud uh, right there. I mean, that, that might be the person that you would want to, to protect your city. Um, then uh, Mr. T is another one who you would think, yeah, like Mr. T is the person that comes to mind with like all the muscles and all the chains. Like he would be the one maybe that would be like, all right, you know, if he's standing outside my city, we're all right. You know, if, he, if he's taking, you know, we don't have to go back to that one. Uh, I, sh- I shouldn't have given Simon that much power. It's very, very, very dangerous. So just whoever it is that, that comes to mind for you, like the, the strong person that, that you think of that you would say, you know, that person, as long as that person's there, like I would feel safe. And this strong person, this individual, just as the narrator has unraveled and just as the city is, is crying out, the strong person seems out of hope as well. Lamentations 3 verses 2 through 8 He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he's turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He's made my skin and my flesh grow old and has broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. He's walled me in so I cannot escape. He's weighed me down with chains, so maybe Mr. T. Uh, Even when I call out or cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. So this one who is this strong individual, who you would expect, who you would think is like the last line of defense, even he is struggling and seems defeated. Have you ever been in a moment like that in your life? When you just feel like you're at the end of yourself? Maybe you happen to be there today where it feels like the last line of defense has been taken over and all you can do is cry. And it's fascinating to to read this because it's just a very raw description of what it is to be experiencing pain. One of my friends in ministry says that he often, when he goes into a situation where he just has no words for, because as a minister, you can be on the front lines of things that like, there's just like no good explanation for. And you see pain, you see difficulty, you see loss, that it's like, that doesn't make any sense. 
And so something that he will do with people in moments like that is he'll read laments from either the book of Psalms or he'll read like a passage like this in Lamentations. And he'll read those alongside with people who are hurting and say, this can give some words to what you're experiencing. And one of the reasons why I love the book of Lamentations and the Bible in general is it's just so honest. Life isn't going to be tied up in like a neat bow all the time. There's going to be things that we sometimes walk with for years that are difficult. And we see this character who says, like, I see the destruction. Like, I'm supposed to be like the strong person here. And it's just hard. And throughout this chapter, as the strong man speaks, you have many of these things that are very raw and difficult. But also in the midst of it, he says this. Lamentations 3, verses 21 through 29. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the, great, the Lord's great love, or the steadfast love of the Lord, his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who hope in him, to those to one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he's young. Let him sit alone in silence, for the Lord has laid it on him. Let him bury his face in the dust. There may yet be hope. So even as he ponders all the difficulty and all the stuff that he is experiencing, there's this moment where you almost say like, wait, what, is this the same character? This is where we get the song, The Steadfast Love of the Lord from? From this chapter? It's pretty unbelievable, isn't it? I love that song and I don't want to change it, but if we were to like more contextually sing like what is happening in this as this character wrestles with like the difficult things that are now in front of him and the love of God. A better way to sing it would probably be like the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. I just got laid off again. They're new every morning. My friend just deserted me. And you could go on and on with like, it's weird. Like, okay, this really, really hard stuff has happened and I'm seeing this and I don't even know how I'm supposed to deal with this that's in front of me. But like the steadfast love of the Lord is there. And as you think about this, this concept of like, okay, talking about really hard things and bringing these hard things to God, yet also having this persistent hope, it's a little bit shocking to see it written down in front of you. But in reality, I think what it, it reflects, we all know this. And this is the human experience. And this is what it is to be a human and to have things in life that, that come at us that are, are really hard to deal with. And we can think sometimes in Christianity that like either you have faith or you don't. Like if you're here on a Sunday morning, then you have faith and you're just like rah-rah Jesus and you're on the team. But in reality, it's not either or. That you can have persistent hope. The hope that I believe is described in the Bible is a hope that in the face of difficult circumstances and in the face of doubts and questions, we can still have it. That this chapter right here, I think, reflects the human experience, that there's going to be things that we question God about, that we're wondering, yet we can still walk in hope. Many people can think that it's like faith is just the absence of all other emotions. But in reality, to be human is to have these things side by side, right? In the wise words of Anchorman, we are a glass case of emotion. And there's a lot going on in any given moment. 
And so there are things that we sometimes question God about and we wonder about, but yet we still try to persist in hope. I got some of the the best uh, marriage advice ever from someone when I was getting married. He said, sometimes you have to believe the promise that you made more than your emotions in a given moment. Sometimes you have to believe in the fact that you have made this vow because don't trust your emotions because they're not always right. And so to be somebody who walks in faith is to be someone like this character who understands that, yes, this is very difficult. And I look out over this scene of what has happened in this city and it just causes me to weep. And I don't know if I can go another day yet. I believe in the steadfast love of God. That God is still at work. That God still rises out of the ashes. That God can still work in me and work among this people. That God's love is still here. A few years ago, I went to a, a session at the Pepperdine Bible Lectures with a guy who was talking about church growth and things. And he said that he had had a really successful career growing churches. Like he would go in and say, like, here are the five things you need to do to grow. And he was successful at it. He was a good at consulting that in that way. But he said that um, a few years into this, uh, he had one of his children die. And it was unexpected and it was really sad. And he said suddenly, like, all that stuff didn't matter as much to him anymore. And he still had this formula and he still had a successful way of doing things. But he said, I suddenly had all these doubts and all these questions. And he said in some ways he felt like he didn't have a home anymore. It's easy for us at times to pretend like faith is just certainty and it's just like we're always on fire all the time. But in reality, as life comes at us, as we would speak these words of lament from time to time, we are called yet to be people of faith, to have a deep, abiding hope, to be very much like this character. And sometimes I know that it can be hard. There's something going on in your life. It can be difficult for you to sing the songs that we're singing on a given Sunday morning. But sometimes your presence, just being here is such a blessing. If you can't sing the words, let someone else sing for you. Because we as a community, we sing together. We remind each other of the abiding love of God. There's going to be hard things for us to deal with. There's going to be struggle and there's going to be difficulty, but yet we can still trust in God. One thing that's true about this entire room, there's a 100% mortality rate. And some of us will die peacefully in our sleep. I sign up for that, like age 83 or so maybe. I'm, I'm signing up for that one. But some of us won't. So there's going to be something hard for you to deal with there. But yet, we persist in hope. We understand that, yeah, there's difficulty around us. And I love the book of Lamentations. It's just so raw and open. It begins with this narrator who eventually just can't help but break down and say, this is so sad. I'm entering into this. And the city cries out in pain and says, does anybody see my pain? Is there any pain like mine? Does anybody understand what I'm experiencing here? And this strong man looks out at everything and says, yeah, this is really, really, really difficult. But yet I try to put my hope in the Lord. 
We are a community that is safe for people to come without perfect faith, with doubts. That's been the basic start since the Christian movement started. There's an odd book in the New Testament that's just one chapter long uh, called Jude. Jude is to the New Testament, uh, kind of what Lamentations is to the Old Testament, just very weird. But in Jude, there's this, this great little verse, be merciful to those who doubt. Think about this. So this is written very shortly after the resurrection. And so there's likely people who maybe have even seen the resurrection who would have been in this community. You'd think that the writer would say, be merciful to those who doubt. Or you wouldn't, they wouldn't see that. You'd say, don't doubt, go talk to Tom. Like he met Jesus after the resurrection. Be merciful to those who are struggling. Allow them in, allow their questions, allow their doubts, allow things that they are wondering about. Let them speak. This is very much the way that Jesus ministered as well. One of my favorite stories is John chapter 20, after the resurrection, it says this, but he said to them, this is who we call Doubting Thomas, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put him into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. There's some rumors around that Thomas has been doubting. And so Jesus shows up. I love he just doesn't come in the door. He just pops into the room. And I got to be honest with you, if someone doubts me from time to time, I'm easy to brag in moments. Just last week, I uh, beat a couple people at ping pong. It uh, doesn't matter who they are, Morgan and Simon, but I mean, <laughs> like I, and it's, it's, just, it's just easy when like small little things go your way. And so if I'm Jesus here, I like pop into the room and be like, hey, what's up now, Thomas? Look at me, you know, look, look, at, look at what I've done. Like I've overcome death. This isn't like a ping pong game. I've overcome the grave. Like what, what do you think now? Like look at me. How can you doubt me now? But what Jesus does with this doubter is he says, come and, and put your hands right here. You are welcome here. Come to me. Bring your doubts, bring your questions, and you will experience deeper faith. Because the person that we call traditionally doubting Thomas makes arguably the greatest statement of faith in all the New Testament. My Lord and my God. From someone named Doubting Thomas. Because Jesus welcomes those who have questions. Jesus himself on the cross, as he is in agony and pain, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you know what he's quoting there? Psalm 22. Psalm 23 is very popular, but right before that is Psalm 22. And that is categorized as a psalm of lament. It's very similar to what we see in Lamentations. 
Jesus on the cross quotes this psalm of lament and says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I love this quote about this moment on the cross. One of the surprises that inevitably come to Christians who follow Jesus is the vast number of people, both living and dead, who experience and cry out their despair at being abandoned, whether by God or spouse or friend, asking why. We hear Jesus' cry repeated over and over again throughout history from people just like you and me who lose someone too soon, by people who can't overcome demons, from people who feel abandoned by their parents. Why? Why? Does it help us to know that Jesus also asked why? Does it help us to realize that in this time of utmost pain, Jesus cried out to God? Next time you ask God why, know you aren't alone. This is a question that I think humans have asked forever in different ways and at different times. When we experience something difficult, when it seems like the burdens of life are just weighing on us a little bit too heavy. And you're probably more familiar with exactly the question that you would have, but at different times in different ways, we ask, why? Why did this happen? And I hope as we think together, collectively continue to think about how to grieve, may we understand that as a community, we are a place that we are willing to deal with questions or willing to deal with doubts. Because I believe that God is big enough for our questions. There's a reason that these passages exist in the Old Testament. There's a reason why Jesus quotes from something that is very much like Lamentations on the Cross. There's a reason why Jude, to an early Christian community, says, be merciful, be welcoming to those who are doubting, be merciful to those who are struggling. And why doubting Thomas gets an invitation from Jesus. And it's not like, how you like me now? It's you, Thomas, come. Put your, na- put your hands right here. Because this is what God is like. And ultimately, what walking in faith is like. And you read that chapter and it's almost jarring where the strong man says like, and I'm looking at this and basically like my, he says at one point, my teeth are broken with gravel. Like I'm seeing the exile and the destruction, yet the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. May we be a community that understands how to grieve. That first, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, that we would be able to name our pain that we wouldn't let the things that happen to us continue to define us forever. And sometimes that takes professional help. Sometimes that takes um, reaching out to someone that is, is beyond yourself. May you understand how to name that pain. And then secondly, as we think about how to grieve, let's think about how we can voice our questions and our concerns. For some, that is through poetry. For others, that's through art. If you're not creative, maybe that's just with talking to somebody. But if you ever have doubts or questions, know that you're not alone. In the passage that is called the Great Commission in Scripture, such an odd passage that talks about that um, Jesus gives this Great Commission for the people, and then like it says that the gathering of people there, uh, some worshipped, but some doubted. 
You're like, wait, how is that possible? Like the resurrected Jesus is right there. Some worshipped, while some struggled. If you're struggling, know that you aren't alone, that your questions are welcomed here, and that we see in the story of Scripture that is very honest, that there's going to be times in your life when you are literally just two emotions at once, when you're trying to persist in hope even as things are very difficult for you. If you're ever in that space, know that you aren't alone and that God is with you even there. Let's pray together. Father, for those of us who struggle from time to time, for those of us who maybe are in an especially difficult season right now, Maybe we recognize that there are others on this journey with us and that we aren't alone. Maybe we recognize that faith isn't about just being certain all the time, but about consistently following you even when we don't have all the answers. Father, allow us as a community to be merciful to those who are questioning and doubting to be just as welcoming as Jesus is, as he offers his hands and his side. Father, bless us as we try to grieve well, to understand that pain is going to be a part of our lives. Help us to be mature about how we handle it and to grow in our faith with you. In your son Jesus' name I pray, amen.